Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Thinking Like a Bank, where we show you how to think like a bank using the same strategies and principles that banks use to help you find more financial freedom in your life. I'm your host, Sarah Ibrahim. With us today, I have a special guest. His name is Bernard Reese. He's a financial pro that has seen it all and knows that you can and must be the director of your financial future. Bernard's goal is to empower you with unbiased info so that you can make informed decisions about all aspects of your money, management, tax, legal, financial, investment, and cash flow. Bernard is the founder of Reshare Financial, delivering tax and financial tools for real estate. Reshare Financial provides services for self-directed retirement accounts, 1031 exchange entities, and investor tax and financial education. Prior to founding Reshare, Bernard served as the director of Cometrics Partners, managing an array of engagements involving financial consulting and due diligence. Bernard advised owners of closely held middle market companies on advanced tax mitigation strategies. Bernard, welcome to the show. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> Great to be here. Um, and thank you for getting my name right. Uh, that, that Reese, Rice, Reeses, we get all sorts of pronunciations. Uh, so kudos to you for getting it right the first time. Oh, yeah, no problem, man. Thank you for joining us. I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about taxes. We met on um, Yona Weiss's Sunday morning post for those of you who are on LinkedIn who also follow us. Um, so, yeah, thanks for being here. And uh, before we jump into talking about accounting and some of the tax advantages out there, do you mind sharing with us your background and how you got into this space? Yes, it's, it's actually like a very non-traditional route. Uh, I began, yeah, you know, like you see the alphabet CPA Then I got a couple of other things after there. Uh, now, when I first, my initial role, I worked at a management consulting firm, which is not tax. Uh, it's forensic accounting, due diligence, um, all sorts of interesting stuff. And I did that while I was in school. When I graduated, um, I initially accepted a job at PwC, but I never actually went. Um <laughs> What happened was two things. Number one, during the period kind of when I accepted the job offer and I was supposed to go, I went to do work for a family office. So that means we're talking ultra high net worth family. And what these families tend to do is, you know, their friends and family get involved in whatever they're doing. And you get exposed to alternative investments, things that your typical financial advisor is not you know, bring into the table and you realize, Hey, there's a whole wide, broad and deep world out there um, that most folks are not getting exposure to. Uh, another side of it was um, I did a lot of, you know, heavy tax advisory, you know, for some middle market firms, we're talking firms like a few hundred million dollars in revenue and dealing, these are closely held companies. So you're dealing with the business owners as well as the business, and you're finding all sorts of stuff being pitched to them, uh, but there's nobody really objectively analyzing it. You know, who's going to going through the tax code, the regulations, the revenue rulings, the case law to actually see, does this work? What is the risk? You know, it always sounds great, um, or can it be done smarter? And, you know, taking all this stuff together, uh, I first, first thing I got involved in kind of as an independent venture was self-directed retirement accounts. Um, and to me, it's not just the self-directed retirement accounts uh, are not just a technical tax vehicle. It represents a mentality and a mindset. 
it's, you know, it's about taking control and ownership of your financials um, and not kind of blindly following or being sold to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, and sometimes when I say this, people are saying like, you mean to say I shouldn't use service providers? And I said, oh, of course you need service providers. Uh, but you've got to realize that you kind of, you bear the risk and the reward, the ownership, the responsibility. So, you know, you got to be running the show. Yes, you need a life insurance pro. You need uh, maybe you're a real estate agent. You may need a CPA, but uh, don't just hand over the reins and kind of stick your head in the sand. You've got to be, you know, on top of the game and view it more like, hey, I'm delegating. Yeah, I can't be an expert in everything. So I'm in the driver's seat, but I'm going to delegate. That's what self-directing means to me. Um, so that's how we did that. Now, of course, one thing led to the other, 1031 exchanges, tax advisory, and today kind of all over the place in terms of uh, tax and financial advisory and tools with a focus on real estate and alternatives. I love it. And just to be kind of for the audience that are not familiar, what, what's an example of an alternative investment? So there, I, there's no list mm-hmm. because it's more or less anything that is not available at Fidelity mm-hmm. or Schwab yes. is an alternative investment. So for some people, that's crypto assets. For some people, it's livestock. Mm-hmm. For other people, it's hard money loans. Mm-hmm. For others, it may be real estate or you know, all of those. Uh, life settlements, kind of the list goes on and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. And there are always new stuff being created. Mm-hmm. So there is like no list, uh, you know, kind of on our website, we put, you know, just the top of the page, some of yeah. the ones that we encounter most often, usually r- real estate, you know, up until like crypto really emerged on the scene, uh, some angle of real estate um, has most been, you know, best represented. So you can invest in real estate in dozens of ways. Yeah. So you can you can buy real estate, you can lend on real estate, um, you can buy notes mm-hmm. in the secondary market, you can buy tax liens. Uh, there are just so many different angles on real estate, whether you're doing it directly, you're buying a property yourself, um, or you're getting into a syndication. Yeah. So historically, you know, you can always look to real estate. Real estate has always been consistent and dependable. And then there are other things that have kind of been there in the last couple of years, crypto has been huge um, in this space. Got it. Makes sense. Um, and then, I, I, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted you on the show was to talk about something called uh, ROBS 401k, which I think stands for roll over to small business or roll over some, something like that, right? To roll over to a small business. In other words, do you mind elaborating yeah. on that? Like what is ROBS 401k? Let's do it. <laughs> uh, so before we kind of dive into what the, you know, the nuts and bolts, uh, let's talk about, yeah, what are folks at a super high level, uh, what are you trying to achieve uh, with a ROB structure? So ROBS, believe it or not, um, is actually an IRS term. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not a term that you're going to find in the tax code, uh, but the IRS coined it. And that's when, and you know, when people hear ROBS, mm-hmm. uh, even though it stands for rollover as a business startup, okay. that acronym ROBS doesn't have a great connotation to it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Robs. So like, you know, you're in yeah. you know, a robbers robbery <laughs> and it may have something to do with the fact that the IRS does not like these. <laughs> so, you know, if you let the IRS come up with the marketing term, 
Um, you know, they're not gonna, you know, they came up with robs. That being said, the IRS has conceded that they're not inherently problematic. The IRS has said, hey, this this is not what they would call a tax avoidance scheme. Uh-huh. Right. Tax avoidance schemes are stuff that they say, hey, this thing is inherently no good. Right. And any version of it is unacceptable because mm-hmm. it's kind of fundamentally flawed and it's just a, you know, illegal tax dodge. Yes. With Rob's, the IRS has said, yeah, this is not tax evasion, um, but there are a lot of ways to do it wrong. So the IRS looks at these, they're looking at technicalities. If you've mm-hmm. got Rob's, they're not going to say, oh, Rob's game over. They're going to say, all right, we want to take a close look at this because you can do Rob's right and you can do Rob's wrong. Um, so that's, uh, but that's where the term Rob's came from. Now, what is, what do you achieve with Rob's? What Rob's let you, lets you do is achieve a couple of things. Uh, and then we'll talk about why, what's so amazing about this achievement. So Rob's can provide you funding. It lets you take from many folks, they've accumulated substantial resources in a retirement account. Now that may be, you know, where most like most often occurs in a company sponsored an employer sponsored 401k plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're at a company for 10 years, 20 years. Um, you've been contributing, you've been getting a match. You may have a nice chunk of change in there mm-hmm. and you want to use, now you may want to start a business and it would be sweet to be able to get easy funding with money that you control. And the Rob structure lets you do that. Um, it lets you take the money that's under your control, that money that's sitting the 401k plan, and lets you put it into a business that you start. So at a super high level, um, we'll see there's lots of strategy uh, that you can do to be, you know, to execute this um, in incredibly smart ways, tax savvy ways. But there are also a lot of pitfalls mm-hmm. that you got to watch out for um, because if you tr- get tripped up on the pitfalls and you get caught, <laughs> you know, there go all the benefits, there go all the upsides. Uh, so that's at a high level. How does that sound, Sari? Yeah, perfect. Yeah, awesome. So now what's so on a more nitty gritty basis, Yes. what's so amazing about being able to do that? Hey, it's my money. Why shouldn't I be able to use it to start a business? Now, for mo- most folks are actually su- are surprised to hear that you can use a 401k money for anything other than stocks. Right? So the first thing that, you know, the first eye opener is, no, this is money that you can, you know, if you're used to having a financial advisor or you're used to having a menu of funds that you can choose from, that, that's absolutely not needed. Um, you can do just about anything with 401k money. Now, as long as it's in your company plan, odds are your, your hands are pretty tied, but not because the IRS says that they have to be tied. It's because the company says you got your hands have to be tied and probably not for reasons that are necessarily, they're not tying your hands because it's in your best bet interests. It's probably the best interests of whether uh, the plan. So now once you realize that, all right, we can use uh, this, the money for any mm-hmm. kind of asset that you control, 
Then we encounter another set of rules called the prohibited transaction rules. Are you familiar with those? Yes. Uh, all right. So for the folks that are not familiar, I'm going to give the million foot view. Uh, prohibited transaction rules are actually the most important rules that apply to retirement accounts that you never encounter because your hands are usually tied, like we mm-hmm. just discussed. But the moment you get the freedom to invest, you get that money unlocked out of jail mm-hmm. and you get the ability to invest it in assets that you choose. Now you've got to know those rules. Yes. And what those rules are about is keeping you from using the money in a way that benefits you today. The money's got to be used and invested. Um, you control it, but you've got to be thinking about using it for the long-term growth of the retirement funds and not in any way benefiting you today. So you can buy real estate with it, but say you own a piece of real estate today, you cannot sell that to your retirement account. That would be a prohibited transaction. It's because you and your retirement account cannot do business with each other. It can buy real estate on the open market, but not anything that may be able to be construed as providing a personal benefit to you. Now, um, that being the case, if you own a company and you may say, hey, I, this company does really well. Um, I want some of this money to be tax-free or tax-advantaged or tax-deferred. Maybe I sell a piece of my company to my retirement account because, hey, my retirement account can invest in private companies. We've established that. So that would be a no-go because of prohibited transaction rules. It's your company. You own it. So you cannot sell your company to your retirement account. Hey, if your neighbor or your buddy has a company, private company, yes, your retirement account can be an investor. But it cannot be an investor in any company that you own. Um, it can't, you can't sell. You and your retirement account cannot do business with each other. Uh, so right, we've got millions of businesses in the United States. Let's just take yours out of the picture. It can invest in just about every single other one of you know other business out there. Um, so now we're starting to get closer to where we say, hey, this Rob structure is neat because somehow I get to start a business and still use the retirement account money and we're not having a prohibited transaction. Um, let's take it a step further. Mm-hmm. Prohibited transactions would also prohibit transactions between a company and the 401k plan that it sponsors. Under general rules, if a company sponsors a 401k plan, that 401k plan cannot transact with the company, right? So every 401k plan is sponsored by a business, right? They go hand in hand. You can't have a 401k plan without a business. An individual, you can create an IRA, Mm -hmm. but you can't create a 401k plan unless you have a business. It's gotta be tied to a business. Now the 401k plan, and that business are not either supposed to be doing any business with each other. So you can have a self-directed 401k plan that can invest in real estate. They can invest in closely held businesses, but it should not be investing in the company that sponsored it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. So for example, like Fidelity 401k cannot be, if it's been set up by Fidelity, it cannot be like affiliated with the actual company that it's, that it's with. It has to be a separate entity, separate so Fidelity is really a service provider. Yeah. Believe it or not, Fidelity is actually almost like a, a nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, so these are service providers that many of them, they can, they can, depending how they structure it, 
become a planned fiduciary, mm -hmm. but generally they want to be structured to be almost, uh, you know, nothing in their, in the technical sense. So say ABC company adopts a 401k plan, that plan is going to have a trustee. Mm -hmm. um, that plan is going to have an administrator and that's going to be, those people are going to be involved in the plan, but the ABC company plan. So ABC company creates ABC company 401k plan. ABC company 401k plan should not be doing business with ABC company. Got it. Those two should not be doing business with each other. Um, so now again, hey, how can I create a startup company using retirement money? It should be running afoul of the prohibited transaction rules because my retirement funds should not be doing business with me. Um, they shouldn't be doing business with any company that sponsors it. Now, ROBS enables you to achieve kind of that holy grail mm -hmm. of getting a 401k plan money and using it to start a business. Uh, so before we get into the nuts and bolts of the structure, any questions? I've been doing a lot of talking. Yes. So tell me, you know, what, what questions come to mind? No, you're, you're doing an amazing job. Very crystal clear. Makes exactly sense. So I guess now the next question would be like, all right, so... Um, you know, we're setting up 401k, um, a Rob's 401k, so that way we could use the money in the Rob's 401k to actually start our own company. I've been told by a, a few tax professionals that it must be a C corp. That's like that's what it's going into. The startup must be a C corp. So do you mind taking it from here, from this point? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so, dear, a Rob's sounds super sophisticated. And it does require a lot of sophistication. But if we break it down, we'll see that it's not that complex after all. Um, of course, the devil is in the details. Mm -hmm. Now, there is a special exception that allows um, a retirement plan to invest in qualified employer securities. So qualified employer securities um, is a technical term that's used in the tax code. Um, it would have been nice. Um, maybe the IRS would have called this the qualified employer securities plan, uh, but doesn't sound as great as, doesn't sound like Rob's, right? They like Rob's. They like calling it Rob's. Now, that is like a special exception to these <laughs> rules. And some plans have a provision that allow the retirement account to invest in qualified employer securities. Some plans do not have this provision, but um, if a plan has that provision and the transaction meets um, meets the rules of you know the definition of a qualified employer security, then a retirement account sponsored by a business can adopt, uh, pardon, can buy shares of that company. So the game plan here is when you do Rob's. Um, is that you set up a C-Corp. That C-Corp has no owner. Mm -hmm. It's essentially a shell company. Yes. Uh, the C-Corp adopts a 401k plan that has a provision that allows the plan to purchase qualified employer securities. Now, the plan uh, gets funded. Now, how does this plan get funded? You'll be taking... And IRA money that you've got or 401k money and rolling it into this new plan. 
just as if you changed employers, mm-hmm. right? You went from employer A to employer B, you could roll money in from the old plan, the old employer plan into the new employer plan. That's exactly what you'd be doing here, except it's a company where you're calling the shots. Mm-hmm. But you are not the owner yet, right? Nobody owns this company. No owner yet. So it's kind of, it's a, it's a shell. It exists. It's been created. There have been articles of incorporation filed, but no shares have actually been sold. Uh, now you become an employee of the company um, because in order to participate in the plan, in the company's plan, right, this new shell company, uh, you've got to be an employee, right? Only employees can participate um, in a company plan. So you become an employee of the plan, uh, most likely the only employee uh, at this time. It's a brand new company. And I was an employee of the plan and you meet the eligibility requirements to participate um, in the plan. You can then roll over your money, those, you know, your other retirement account funds into this new 401k plan. Once the money is there, the 401k plan, your 401k plan individual account, then acquires shares in this C corporation. Once that's done, the C corporation has the money that used to be in the retirement account, and the retirement account owns the C corporation. So now you've got, so now you just took, say you had $300,000 sitting in your old employer 401k. Well, right now that $300,000 is sitting in the company bank account. Mm -hmm. And it got there without any income tax liability or early distribution penalties. Yes. Because the way it got there is it's really an investment made by your 401k account. So it's still sitting, right? And the money didn't actually leave the equity, right? That $300,000 of value is still, at least in principle, in your 401k plan because the company is worth $300,000. And the owner of the company, is the 401k plan. Any questions about this? Perfect. Okay. Makes sense. Now it's time to spend that money, right? To, to operate the business, to hire people, you know, get an office and everything. So how do we do that next now? Okay. So now that the company is funded, uh, the company operations are run by the company directors and officers. And for the most part, for the most part, it's business as usual. Um, the company uses these funds um, and it works, operates just like any other business. And now we haven't spoken yet about how to make it, what the pitfalls are mm-hmm. and how to be smarter about it. Okay. Uh, but this is at a basic level, what you get to. Uh, should we start with smarter strategies to optimize or the pitfalls? Where do we want to go? Wherever you want to go, wherever you want to take this. This is, this is interesting. Okay, so the first question is, there are many reasons why this may or may not really be a smart idea. Okay. Um, like most other tax stuff out there, these things get heavily promoted, right? And the folks that promote it 
right? They have a vested interest in, interest in promoting it. And you're usually not going to get the good, the bad, the ugly, and the beautiful. Um, so there are a couple of reasons, a lot of things that you want to be asking yourself, you know, whether or not this is the right move. Um, it is, for the most part, there's always going to be an element, some element of tax risk associated with it. Um, you know, things like this, they don't go away completely. But the nice thing is, we, what I like in a tax strategy, uh, folks that have heard me elsewhere have heard me say this in the past, I'm not an advocate of doing things that are in the process of making its way onto the IRS's radar. Um, when you do some sort of tax strategy that doesn't use, you know, say Section 1031, mm -hmm. right? Yes. What do I love about Section 1031? It's not a tax strategy that is cobbling together a couple of different sections of the tax code to create something new that the IRS may say, hey, we, we disagree with that, right? It's completely above board. The IRS has told us exactly how to do it, right? Nice and clean. Um, but sometimes there are tax strategies that are saying, hey, let's do stuff in a sense, in a way that we're defeating the spirit of the law by taking a couple of different, we're trying to, we're going to outsmart the IRS mm -hmm. yes. or outsmart Congress. Uh, we're going to one up them. We're going to take section A of the code, section B and section C. Mm -hmm. We're going to put them all together and we're going to do something that, hey, we beat Uncle Sam. Yes. Right. Now, the reality is those kind of stuff, um, more often than not, have risk associated with them. So if you're going to do that kind of stuff, you want to be in one of two places. You want to be the first one to do it, right, where nobody's looking at and paying attention. Or you want to do it after the IRS is already well aware of it, mm -hmm. and we've already gotten a sense of what the IRS has to say. Where you don't want to be is in the space where this thing is getting popular and it's about to land on the IRS's radar and we have no idea what they're going to say. <laughs> okay. okay. Makes uh, sense. Okay. So I, I call those tax turkeys. Um, I put a couple of posts on there about that. Uh, so the thing with Rob's, the nice thing is the IRS is very, 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 very well aware of them. And we know exactly what the IRS has to say. We know the IRS is not fond of them. We know why, why the IRS is not fond of them. Um, and for the most part, you know, if you're comfortable with some level of risk, hey, you can do this transaction um, because you're not, it's not something newfangled. And hey, maybe the IRS is going to say tomorrow is going to say, let's attack these. Mm -hmm. We can never rule that out. But the IRS essentially did a deep dive on this in 2008, 2009, 2010. They told us what they don't like, but they also said that, hey, this is not illegal. Um, it's theoretically possible. Uh, just make sure you cross your T's and dot your I's. Mm -hmm. Okay. Does that make sense? What are your thoughts on tax strategy and... So I guess how do we how do we do this um, safely? Like how do we minimize risk while still doing this? I guess my question is like, what's a smart way to to implement this? So on the smart side, yeah. Assuming if let's say what what's on a tax is this really a smart tax strategy? Let's think about this. Yeah. Um, if you have a C corp, mm -hmm. the C corp itself is going to pay tax, mm -hmm. right? 
now, C-Corps generally have two layers of tax. So at a minimum, you're going to be paying tax as the income is earned in the C-Corp. Now, prior to Trump tax reform, that rate could have gone up to 35%. Uh, where we stand today, it's a flat 21%, which is actually pretty neat, right? Uh, flat 21% is not bad. Uh, now, how about the C-Corp having another layer of tax upon distribution, right? So that's why C-Corps um, are generally not a great, if you're always going to be putting, just pulling money out, yeah. you know, as you make it, pulling it out, C-Corps may not be the best route, right? C-Corps tend to be great if you're planning to keep the money invested in the company um, and not have get hit immediately with that second layer of tax. Uh, well, how about a, with a Rob structure? What happens to the profits of the company? Where do they go? What do you say, Sari? The profits of the company, maybe, depending on what the owners want to do, could potentially be distributed out to the owners at the end of the year or end of the quarter. Now, yeah. Now, the question is, who are the owners? Yeah. So let's just say it's the, um, yeah, exactly. Because who owns a C-Corp? The plan does. Exactly. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> So um, now on the, what looks good here in a sense is, hey, the C-Corp is not going to pay, the plan is not subject to the second level of tax, right? Because retirement accounts don't pay tax on dividends. Yeah. That's pretty cool. You just got rid of a second layer of tax, right? That's pretty neat. You have a C-Corp, but it doesn't get double taxation. Okay. But- the downside is you can't distribute any money to yourself, right? Okay. Distributions have to go to the retirement account. But what's the downside? Say you would own the retirement account. Suppose you had opened a C-Corp in your own name or opened the business in your own name. Um, essentially, say you had a C-Corp. All right, you pay 21% tax. Uh, you keep the money invested in the business. 10 years later, um, you take money out as a dividend to yourself. What's your tax rate going to be? It's going to dividends tax rate, right? You're going to be paying a lower rate. Yeah. Um, and so you're going to be paying, um, you know, the lower tax on dividends. However, if the money flows through the retirement account, mm -hmm. it's true the retirement account is not going to pay any tax on the dividends it receives. But when you take the money out of the retirement account, right, you're going to be paying ordinary income tax rates. So C if you go, if the money goes from the C-Corp to you directly as the owner of the C-Corp, right, your, your combined tax rate on the two layers of taxation is about 37%. Wow. Right? But being that it's going to flow through retirement account, right, the C-Corp is going to pay 21%. And all the money you take out of the retirement account is going to be taxed at ordinary income tax rates because retirement account distributions are taxed as ordinary income going up to 37%. So how can we do be smarter about this? Yes. The question is like, gets you 75% of the way to the answer. <laughs> what do you say? Sorry, you should have the answer. How do we get there in a smarter way? Potentially in a smarter way. Yeah, potentially. Um, okay. Do it with a Roth 401k. Oh, okay. 
now it is tax free, truly tax free. There's one layer of tax, 21%. Now, of course, when you, if you don't have the Roth, you got to do the conversion yes. and there's a tax there. Uh, so to do Roth, you know, Roth is, is a super play. Um, if you think the company is going to be successful, right? Then it's like, hey, it's a home run, grand slam. You know, you hit that ball a mile out of the park uh, because you pay tax up front. You convert $200,000, say, um, and you pay taxes on that. But the company is profitable and successful. And hey, maybe get sold. Yeah. A very profitable exit. Um, and essentially all of that gets to be tax free. So um, it could be very smart to integrate a Roth component mm-hmm. uh, to a Rob's strategy. Uh, when does Rob's, when does Roth, you know, when would somebody regret a Roth strategy if the company doesn't perform well? They pay taxes and they didn't really get any benefit. Now, the reality is one of the things the IRS does not like about Rob's is not something the IRS can really do anything about without Congress changing the rules. But statistically, they say most of the businesses that they looked at that used the Rob's strategy did, were not, did not achieve the success they hoped for. Okay. So can you say that last part one more time? Yeah. Their IRS, one of the things they say they don't like about Rob's, they don't like it, but it's one of these things that they can't do anything about because it doesn't break any rules of the tax code, right? If the business, that startup business doesn't do well, okay, right? And that retirement account money gets lost, right? So the, the, the system of the retirement account system is theoretically put in place so that we should save for our future. Yes. Right. That's what it's about. Um, so the IRS is not happy. And do you know who else gains if we save for our future? Who else, ga- um, who else, who else gains? We do, right? We gain and Uncle Sam. Because if you're in a retirement account mm-hmm. and you took a tax deduction to put the money in there, right? Yeah. Right. So let's say you have, let's say you're talking to a traditional IRA, traditional 401k, right? And you have $300,000 in there. That's $300,000 that tax was never paid on. Yes. Right. And the IRS looks at that money. They say, hey, we're your partner in that. <laughs> right. Yeah. And if you go ahead and you lose that money, essentially, you also lost Uncle Sam's money. Yeah. Right. So the IRS does not like it when these rob structures are created and the business fails. Right. Again, it's within the rules. So there's nothing they can do about it. Uh, but it is something that before you get into a Rob structure, you should think about. Right. The IRS is saying that based on their studies, many, you know, of the businesses that are started and funded using Rob's are not successful. Okay. That's important. Yeah. That's really important. So I guess now, Bernard, it begs the question like, I'm, I'm one of your clients. I'm like, hey, Bernard, I, I'm at a company right now. I have $400,000 in a 401k. I've been here for 20 years. I want to branch off to my own thing. And I guess it's, it's and there's not, not that much context to provide advice, but what are some things you would advise me on? Like if I wanted to use that money, the 401k money to fund um, a, a new business? 
So my personal preference, mm-hmm. I got I got to confess, I don't love Rob's. Yeah, I don't love it. Um, doesn't mean it shouldn't be used and it can't be used. And we don't think in some scenarios it's it makes a lot of sense. Um, it's one of those things that people have to be get straight talk about honest information. And then, you know, my primary belief is that people are entitled to and Mm -hmm. must make the choices for themselves. um, And they have to be given unbiased, objective, and complete information Mm -hmm. so they can make informed choices, right? So it, it troubles me to no end when somebody gets into any type of tax structure. And then afterwards, we speak to them, we're like, hey, did you know about A? And they're like, no, had I known about A, maybe I wouldn't have done it, right? Now, A is not necessarily a reason that you shouldn't do it, mm-hmm. but you want to know about it before you pull the trigger. Uh, so what we look to do is give people really honest info so they can make the most informed decision. Uh, so that being said, if somebody wants to pursue a Rob structure, understanding all the upside and downside, we're all for it. Um, in terms of what we look for sometimes an alternative is to use it, not necessarily to fund a business, mm-hmm. um, but if you want to use it for investments, you've better control over, right? Say you want to invest in real estate, you don't need a ROBS for that, yeah. right? So for that, we set up retirement accounts that can be invested in every single asset class out there, and you have the total control. Uh, ROBS is really reserved for folks that want to fund an operating business that they run, right? But if you want to buy real estate, you want to buy crypto, you want to buy tax liens, you want to do hard money lending, mm-hmm. you want to put money in syndications, not only don't you need ROBS, you can't use ROBS. Uh, you shouldn't be doing a ROBS. Uh, so there are different structures out there. All things being equal, we love for people to self-direct their retirement accounts. Uh, for business funding, We'd say the first line, you know, the first approach would be, hey, can you get a loan? Get an SBA loan. Yeah. Um, get something that does not have the risk um, that a ROBS has and doesn't tie your hands. Because we didn't even get to talk about the compliance yes. pitfalls of ROBS, but they're there and they can get in the way of fully realizing um, everything that you hope to realize by being a business owner. So we view ROBS as kind of the not the first line of attack mm-hmm. for business funding. It's more the last um, line of attack for business funding. And it works alternatively uh, for folks. Right? There's two types of folks that use ROBS. Yeah. There are people that need money to fund a business. And they're like, hey, where do I get money from? Oh, somebody knocked on my door, said, let's do ROBS. Seems easy. You sign a few papers and I get my 401k money and I get to do it, right? That's one kind of person. For that kind of person, we prefer that they go out and try to get a loan, get a more traditional business financing solution Mm -hmm. and avoid the risk of ROBS and the downside of ROBS. Another profile is the folks that actually, hey, we have all sorts, they have resources to do whatever they want to do. And more or less, they like playing the tax game, Mm -hmm. right? And they're like, hey, I have what I need. I don't really need money, but I like to grow my wealth smartly yeah. and use the tax tools that are available. 
And hey, this Rob's Roth 401k strategy, if it works out, it's a home run, mm-hmm. right? But if it doesn't work out, there's really nothing terrible that's been done, right? Yeah. And they don't need, and the Rob's rules are not going to cramp their lifestyle because they have money to fund their lifestyle, Yeah. right? And they're just doing this anyway, just to maximize the t- as a tax play. For those guys, I love Rob's. Okay. For folks that really need funding, Rob's is not ideal because it does the rules that apply um, can cramp your lifestyle um, and cramp your ability to really maximize the value of the business. And I don't mean to say necessarily growing the business, but as a business owner, you want to be able to just to freely use the money that's in the business, yeah. right? You want to be able to have the benefits of owning a business and Rob's to an extent, can get in the way of that. If you're going to play 100% by the rules, you're going to have limitations on what kind of money you can pull out of that business. Got it. And I, I think you use a key word is that it's op- Rob's is operating as opposed to holding, right? That's like the distinction. Yeah, 100%. That's a big, big part of it. Yeah. So if you want to self-direct what we call investments, yeah, we love that. That's awesome. We view that as, hey, that's a first line of attack. Uh, financial tax strategy. Rob's, it works. Uh, but for some folks, we say it's not the first thing you should do. Yeah, It's if you explore the other avenues, those are not available, then go for the Rob's. Got it. Awesome, man. Yeah. You know, I could tell that, you know, this, this profession is not just order taking like, oh, I want to do Rob's. I want to do self-directed. It's, it's a, it has to be a consultative approach. Like what's going on in every area of your financial life. And then we make the you know, appropriate recommendations. Yeah, you're 100% right. Uh, but the reality is, is that these things are sold as a product yeah. more so than, you know, really thinking about all these things. Um, and if we achieve that, you know, through today's discussion, opening people's eyes, the yeah. fact that it needs, you know, everything you do with tax, especially you want a thoughtful approach. Uh, that's, I think, our major objective yeah. is opening people's eyes to the opportunities that are out there and the approach um, really owning it, self-directing means that you, you've got all the information and you're thinking it through. Uh, that's the name of the game. Awesome, man. So how, you know, it sounds like there's, these things change a lot, like tax, tax laws and codes and regulations. How do you stay on top of these things and like constantly um, like pivoting to understand these changes? So you really have to enjoy it. Um, I love, I love reading tax code. I love reading regulations. I love case law. Case law is super exciting. Uh, private letter rulings, revenue rulings, revenue procedures. Uh, there's an incredible amount uh, to stay on top of. Uh, the truth is it's something that most folks you know, actually never look at, right? Mm-hmm. You can prepare tax returns your entire life yeah. and never look at any of that stuff, right? So that's, um, that's the world that I live in and that I really enjoy. Uh, if I felt, if you find it a, a burden, it's impossible. You kind of have to have a passion for it and really enjoy doing that. Uh, and, you know, for most people looking at tax code, you know, your eyes glass over and then regulations, but if you enjoy it, and I'd actually encourage some folks, you know, if you're that are tax professionals, never get exposure to that. And some, and some folks, maybe sh- I would say, take a look at that because you may like it. Yeah. Most yeah. folks don't, but you should get exposure to that because, Hey, you may love it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think it's important. I think it's one of the major like um, roots of business is like how you're taxed, how much you're taxed, how often all that has a major part to do with your growth of your business, your livelihood, the profits you actually take home. So I think it's a huge part. It's a really important part to understand. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, you're pe- preaching to the choir. <laughs> yeah. So Bernard, how can people connect with you and learn more about you? So folks, you can check us out at reshurefinancial.com. And we've also got, uh, we've got an education portal. Mm-hmm. I'll actually share that link with you right here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll put that in the chat because mm-hmm. you can see exactly what it looks like. I mean, you got that? Got it. Yeah, let me just copy and paste it. Yeah, I got it. Okay, I'll add this to the show notes as well. Um, yeah, sounds good, man. I'm looking forward to having you back on the show. It was really nice having you on here. Sorry, uh, a pleasure. Love sharing the knowledge. Um, yeah. It's been fun. Rob's is a, a fun topic. Yeah. Uh, because all sorts of fun stuff get done yeah. with Rob's. Um, certainly a lot of excitement associated with it. Yeah. And, you know, always tax is always evolving. So I'm sure we'll have more to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining us. To learn more about what we do and how we can help you grow more wealth, please visit www.finassetprotection.com. That's F-I-N, assetprotection.com. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.